Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Haven Community Church. Let's stand and worship the Lord today.
Right, you may be seated. All right, so uh, let's take a look here. Um, are we on back here? Can you hear me? Okay, just want to make sure. Um, okay, we have a couple prayer requests that we want to lift up uh, today. We want to lift up um, Robert Boyle. Um, he was lifted up in prayers, um, and so continue. he's in the hospital with COVID. Um, Holly Kipp has unspoken requests, and has several. Um, Bob Ward asked for prayers for Steve Henning. Went home to be with the Lord yesterday, so be with him, his family, please. Uh, Joanna and Ron lifted for the Williams family for healing. Uh, they thank God for Haven, uh, for Phyllis and Doug. Um, they've experienced multiple deaths in family and friends this, this week. Um, and for um, pray for those um, who are, are shut-ins now. Pray for their, um, their uh, healing and health and all those good things. And, um, and pray for Joanne Edwards' family, um, her the twins, the grandchildren, have um, RSV, so we want to lift them in your prayers as well, okay? So lift them. Um, also, uh, prayers uh, for the Bowers family. Many of you know Richard Bowers, or Keith Bowers. His mother passed away this week. Um, and also, uh, some of you who've been around the area for a while, um, lift up uh, the family of Ruth Cliff as she also passed away as well. And so we want to go ahead. Um, she's, um, she was around a long time, and I remember her, so we want to lift her. Um, her and her family in your prayers as we celebrate her life tomorrow, okay? All right, so let's go to the Lord in, in uh, prayer and just talk to him. God, we come to you today, and we have so many prayer requests on here. We're not going to name them all again by name because, Lord, you know them. You know the prayers of everybody who is um, on, our, on our prayer list. And uh, so, God, right now we just ask that you uh, bring your presence and your healing um, to each person on this list, for those who have, have joys, um, we lift those things up to you. For those who have sorrows, we ask that your, um, your spirit be very active in their lives. For those with the loss of loved ones, which seems like um, there's so many. And for those who, uh, who are just, um, just trying to, uh, to get through some healing. Whatever it may be, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit just direct and guide be with them, be ever-present, and for this and all things, we give you all the praise and glory that God, whatever you have for us today, that we'll, I'll get out of the way, and um, the rest of us, we will just let whatever's bothering us be removed and move forward um, in your name, and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor for all things. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, there's, uh, so we're going to look at some of uh, the things that we got going on. We're going to show you um, a video clip. Uh, real, um, real quickly about Sean's house, and then we're going to talk about some of our other announcements and things that we have. Okay. 
Hi, my name is Scott Day. I'm the executive director here at Sean's House. Uh, Sean's House was opened October 1st, 2020. Uh, it was built by the SL24 Unlock the Light Foundation, which provides mental health resources for area youth. Um, it, the foundation was started uh, after losing Sean Locke, who was a member of the Wilmington, Delaware community, played basketball at UD, uh, had graduated, and from the outside looked like he had it all together, but inside he was battling depression. Uh, and in July 18th, 2018, he lost his battle with depression, uh, dying by suicide on that date. Uh, a few years later, they opened the doors here at 136 West Main in Newark. Um, and just over 16 months, we've seen over 6,000 people walk through the door. Uh, we've had over 1,300 people use our peer support system. And we have 41 that have come in suicidal that we've been able to save from those situations. We here at Sean's House, we want to have the open door. Everything here is, is free resources. So we've had teams, we've had Northeast High School come uh, and have a backyard barbecue uh, that we've been able to talk about the resources here and the importance of being open with your mental health. We, we go out to area schools and we make presentations about mental health and suicide awareness and depression. We wanna serve and bring mental health into the everyday conversation. So it's an open conversation, an open topic not only with area youth, but in family rooms, uh, in kitchens, uh, in meeting rooms across this area, and hopefully the country. Uh, we have, we, everything here is free. So everybody who comes in here can come get a dinner, uh, they can grab a cup of coffee, or they can come talk to somebody. We can help them get a, a therapist, or they can just talk to one of our peer support specialists. We continue to work every day to make it as open and welcoming as possible so they can start, start their journey on their mental health and recovery. Thank you for your support. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Kathy Sullivan. Um, I am a member of Haven's Helping Hands. Last year when we uh, Jack did the mental health series, we had Sean's dad come in and speak to the congregation. Uh, they target 14 to 24 year olds uh, in this program. However, they've had kids as young as 10 and they've had grandmas come in uh, for support. So like Scott said, their services are free. And what we would like to do, if you guys are, are willing or able, is collect uh, gift cards to area grocery stores, Amazon, restaurants, uh, because what they do is they provide meals for, for, for kids, for people, anybody coming in the doors. So at the end of the service, uh, I will have these envelopes. And if you would like to just take one and bring it back, uh, I think February 13th is going to be our last collection day. And I also have some brochures on Sean's house. So if you have any questions, just, just ask. Oh, and the, there's an Amazon wish list link on our web page, right? under bulletins, I think. The, um, so that, that um, for, if you missed, um, weren't here with us last year and you want to see that, um, up on uh, havencc.org, you can go back to the, our services and you can see last year in the fall, we did a whole series called Hope for Mental Health. Um, and um, and he, uh, Chris did come and speak to us and a pretty powerful story um, uh, of, uh, of the struggles that his son had and that eventually um, led to him taking his life. So um, go ahead and check out that. And so we're, we're just glad, glad again that anybody wants to help out. 
um, with that. And you can also volunteer there as well if you're interested. So um, it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty cool, um, cool service uh, in, in helping so many others. Okay, um, so we have those. We also have a lot of other things going on, and we're going to take a look here real quick at what's going on here at Havens that you can connect to more. All right, so a number of things that you can connect to, so um, we'd love for you to connect in that. All right, everybody good today? Yep. Everybody cold? All right, I, I have another announcement, which will kill me. Today is Melissa's birthday, so I got to say happy birthday. And Dana, did you have a birthday? Yeah. Okay, just checking. All right, so I don't know. You seem really excited. I just figured it might have been your birthday, too. So. All right. All right. So today we are, um, if you haven't, if you've been with us or haven't been with us today, we are completing our series on, um, uh, called Selfless. Okay. We, we started the year doing that with, um, with uh, four weeks of that. We'll have a couple weeks of some, um, a, a different uh, topic, but to let you know, um, not next week, not the following week. Um, I don't think the following week, but in a couple weeks, we're going to begin our series on um, I Believe In is what it's going to be called. And we're going to take, uh, for those of you who've been around uh, church for a long time, and you might remember back in the, uh, when, when I was growing up in the United Methodist Church or um, whatever church you were in, um, you would give a, uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You would say what's called the Apostles' Creed. Creeds were something that were done in the early church to tell people this is what we believe in and to stop heresy that was going through the church. So I thought it's a really good time when people believe a lot of different things. Don't you agree? That uh, it'd be a good time for us to really go ahead, unpack that. That'll lead us all the way up to, um, to Easter um, where we would go ahead and we'll celebrate what we believe that day um, through, with G celebrating Jesus' resurrection. And Easter is April 17th this year. So that'll be here before we know it. Um, and um, so we're going to do that. And then just to give you another heads up, the week after Easter, um, we're going to go ahead and take something else that's historic. from goes back to the Bible. When Jesus' disciples ask, um, teach us to pray. 
And that became what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus never intended for us to have a Lord's Prayer, but he gave us a style of prayer. And we're going to talk about, um, by the Lord's Prayer, how do we pray? Because uh, I think if we find out what we believe, then we know who we're praying to. And then we can go ahead and kick that in. That'll take us up till June, and then it'll be summertime. Um, and hopefully uh, life will be a little bit more normal. So just so you see where we're going, I want to go ahead and, uh, and connect you all. But today we're finishing up the series, as I said, called Selfless. And um, week one, we talked about being bolder. Being bolder by sharing our faith um, in Jesus. And the whole premise of this is that we do live in a very self-centered, selfish culture. Um, uh, week two, we talked about being faithful in service or having service with a smile, and that we're all called to serve in certain areas. Last week, we talked about overcoming our, our kind of selfish attitudes and becoming incredibly generous, incredibly generous there. So today's message, we're going to talk about being wowed at work. How are we grateful in the daily grind of work? Um, how, do we, how do we go ahead and, and lead that? So uh, I'm going to introduce you, uh, I want to introduce this kind of concept and an idea. And I'm guessing a lot of us may relate to this uh, in one way or another. For much of my life, I have lived under an illusion. I've lived under several, but this one, I lived under an illusion that there is something around the corner. All right, that, um, that basically there's something out there that is um, that really really matters. Not what I'm doing now, but there's something coming around the corner that is really going to matter, and it matters more than what I'm doing now. Does anybody relate to that? Like you're doing something, and you say, "Well, you know, I'm doing this, but eventually, this something else is going to happen, and it's going to be better than what I'm doing." Uh, and, and so when we look at that, um, a lot of that is there's something that I'm really going to make a difference in that. It's something that I desire or maybe something that I'm looking for. Or it's, um, it's something that's going to bring meaning and fulfillment and give me that significant moment in my life where people will say, oh, that's the moment that, that he was meant for. Right? You, 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 anybody re- so you relate to this, correct? Um, and you spend so much looking for that. And the, the premise is pretty much it's not here, but it's out there. And that's what we spend our lives looking for. Um, and I'll give you an example of how this uh, has played out in my life. I could go all the way back to when I was in high school, and I was cleaning toilets and doing uh, maintenance at Elk Neck State Park. I said, there has got to be something else besides this. Correct? Um, when I worked at a bookstore, I was like, hey, this is fun, but there's got to be something else here. And so I started that. Then when I, got, then when I went, uh, you know, I was in high school, I said, I can't wait to go to college because... There's got to be something more than this. Um, and and I, I get out of Cecil County because there's got to be more than Cecil County. Um, then there's, um, I, I go to other things. And when I got out of college, I said, I remember my last week doing uh, exams. And I said, man, I can't wait. Last exam. I'm graduating because there's got to be something more than this. And so then I went and I got a job in marketing and PR at um, and I was there, and I said, well, you know what? There's got to be something more than this. And there was. It was called unemployment, uh, corporate downsizing. And when I was there, I said, well, you know what? There's got to be something else around the corner. And so I said, hey, okay. I answered God's call um, to ministry. And I said, okay. And then I, um, I went ahead, and I, I was uh, in my 20s. I, w- I worked for Morris Chapel and St. John's United Methodist Church, two small, small churches, one that had, I think, um, 30, and one that had, like, 
six on a good day. 30, like it was like 35, 45, and one that had like six on a really good day. And I would go at 9.30 to one, and then I'd run back to 11 o'clock at the other one. And, and when I was there and looking, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do what God wants me to do here. But there's got to be something around the corner that's more than this. Even here, that God's going to bless it more, or there's going to be that appointment in the sky that's going to have thousands of members, and there's going to be more than that. Well, after nine years, there was something else, and it was an appointment to Bethel Church in Lewis. And I played the whole game that the United Methodist Church plays uh, called Musical Chairs. And they sent me um, to Lewis, and it was a lot of other stories there. So I went down there, and while I was there, um, there were some personal struggles and some other things. And I started to say, guess what? There's got to be more than this. And so I went to a conference, and then God uh, I had in my mind, you know, um, and this went on. I could even add, add it when I got out of seminary. There's got to be more than this. Um, because that's what it was when you were at the small um, student appointments. You were like, once I get through seminary, then I get the bigger church, and then there's more to this. Um, and then that would happen. And then when I went away to a conference, uh, when I was at Bethel, uh, it, was, it was all about church starts and it was the, uh, you know, the 2000s, and that's what we were talking about. And, and I said, you know what? I felt this call of God. Hey, I'd love to start a church. And when I start my own church, then I'll do things my way. And then life is really going to be amazing. And then we started Haven Church, and we found out that, yes, it is, but no, it's not. Um, and then we could take this to other areas. You might even take this to your, own, to your own thing about family, that when you were younger, you just thought, when I grow up, I can't wait to when I'm an adult. You remember saying that? Whoever said... I can't wait. I can't wait to get out on my own and be an adult, and then I'll be, and then like after a while for adulting, you're like, this is not fun. Um, but there's got to be something more than this. So, um, but you figured when I get an adult and get out on my own, then something else will be there. And then you say, when I meet the person I'm going to marry, then, then life is going to start. And then um, when you finally get married, and yes, now that's going to start. And then when you have your first baby, you say, that's when our family is going to start. It's going to be amazing. And when uh, your first baby gets out of your diapers, you're like, then it's going to be incredible. Um, and now, and they're growing up, and you say, when they're teenagers, it'll be easier. And then you say, no, it's not. And um, you want to go back, or you want to just escape. Um, and then you say, when they get older and get married and get out of the house, or, or when they go and go over to, co go to college, then, uh, that, then we can live, then life will be different. But you don't. It's, it, it's nothing uh, different. And you, then they say, when, when they're all gone, then we'll have more money. And you realize, no, that's not true either. Uh, and so what we exist in, uh, you know that all in these different things that we have in life, in different stages of life, we have this when-then. And what I did is I found myself, time after time, in whatever season I was in, wishing the current season away, waiting for the next one to come. Can anybody relate? And um, in, in doing this, I was thinking of the um, Adam Sandler movie, Click, if anybody's seen that, where he has the fast forward. And before he knows it, he fast forwards his whole life away. We just keep thinking one day around the corner, that achievement, that accomplishment, that friendship, that possession, that vacation, there'll be something that will fill this emptiness on the inside. But around every corner, there was another challenge. There was another goal. There was another vision. There was another dream or there was another perceived prize that was ahead of me. That when I got there, I realized it didn't fulfill me and I needed something else. Now, I've lived long enough to look back on my life and to see the real weak weaknesses in my life. 
Um, and what I've noticed is that for so much of my life, I've been spending time pursuing what I want. What I want. I spent time uh, pursuing my dreams, my passions, my goals, my needs, my wants. And whatever it is that I get, once I get it, there's got to be something else out there. There's got to be something more than what I have right now. And what does the culture do? We look at our culture, and our culture completely and totally feeds into that mindset, doesn't it? It says, hey, get what you want. Totally take care of you. Every commercial, every advertisement, everything you see on social media. Like, it's interesting that when, uh, have you ever noticed that if you're looking at cars, every advertisement on social media then comes up about cars um, or about something, that the gear, everything is geared to say, get what you want, and then you'll be happy, and then you'll have what, you, what, you, what excites you. It tells us to gratify ourselves, to indulge ourselves, to get what you want. You deserve it. Treat yourself. But the problem is, as Christians, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you don't treat yourself, you deny yourself. And that's, that's a hard thing to see. Jesus says, you deny yourself, and then you take up your cross. And, and that's a metaphor which is a picture to say that Jesus is saying, you actually died to your own fleshly desires so that you can live by his spirit. And then he said, then you follow me. You deny yourself. Now there's a verse that I want to kind of use as, a, as like an anchor or a, a launch off point here today um, for our, our, um, our, our discussion today. Um, and, and I want to look at it. It comes from first, it's from the Apostle Paul. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And you have it in your, in your uh, worship guides. And do we have the QR code up there today, Melinda? Okay, so yeah. Um, but we have that up there. Um, it says, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So here we go. Whether you're doing laundry, do it for God, the glory of God. If you're picking up your kids from all their scattered events, you do it to the glory of God. If you're running errands for your boss, do it to the glory of God. Um, if you're doing something that is not a big deal, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, it says do it for the glory of God. So when, when I look so much of my life, if I'm honest, and if, I think if many of us are honest here today, whatever I do is mostly for me or somebody close to me. Uh, when, I, when I think more about if I'm doing every, everything I'm doing, if it's for God, he's kind of down on the list. And, and I'm going to be honest with that. And so I think some of us, if we're honest, it's the same way. Jesus, like for instance, I, I, what I want to do, I want to do what makes me happy. I want to do what makes me feel good. I want to do what fulfills my dreams. I want to do what fulfills my wants, my desires. I, I want to do what I want to do. And that starts at a young age. You know, when you're a little kid, I want to do it. It's my, you know, I want it. Uh, and we start that, and we still live that way throughout much of our lives. And, but Jesus tells us to deny ourselves. And so whatever you do, we need to be able to do to the glory of God. Because when we look at this, we got to begin to realize the truth. And the thing is, we're all looking for a prize. I think we're all looking for something in life. We're looking for that thing that makes us happier, makes us more fulfilled, fills something in our life. And I want to tell you, when we're honest with ourselves, the prize is not out there. It's not out there at all. Um, it isn't what you accomplish occasionally. 
but it is what you do daily that you do for the glory of God. And so I, I really want, want, want to sink in, so let me say this again. The prize isn't what you accomplish occasionally. So it's not like, hey, I got a raise. That feels good, doesn't it? But after you get that raise, you live to that, and you want another raise. Anybody alive today? Uh, you do, right? correct? And, and so you get that. Or you say, my gosh, I've been saving up. I want that Audi. You buy the Audi, and eventually it becomes passe, doesn't it? Um, anybody remember that first car that you had that you were like, yes, yes, I, I want that car. I, I really want that car. Um, for me, it was a, a CRX because I was coming from a Chevette and a, and a Mercury Lynx uh, Ford Escort. Horrible cars, just to let you know. Um, I, I always figured, like, the yellow Chevette, um, and of course, I think I've told you before, my pickup line before they saw it was, hey, I've got a yellow vet outside, and it worked till they got to the parking lot. Um, but um, what, what, I, what I'm saying is that, you know, I, I got that CRX, and it was black, and it was cool, and it, was, it had a sunroof or a moonroof, whatever they call it, I don't know the difference, the road in the sky, um, and, and I thought it was cool until I went to West Virginia, and it snowed a lot, and I said, once I graduate, and when I get a job, I am going to buy myself a four-wheel drive, and back then, the cool four-wheel drive, at least for me, was the Isuzu Rodeo, and I had that sucker, and then I said, but I had to get out and lock the hubs and forget that, I want another Isuzu Rodeo that I can go boom, and I don't have to get out and lock the hubs, and I'm really cool, all right? And I was cool until that blew its engine, okay? Or I blew its engine, whatever that did. Um, and then I said, you know what? I get a car. So then I went, and we were riding by, and hey, there was a Jeep Grand Cherokee 2002. It had leather seats. Wow, not pleather. Pleather is like what I had in the Chevette where I stuck to when it was like 400 degrees. Um, and so then I had that, and, and then that one, um, one kind of died as well. And then I said, oh, I want something else, this cool, like, super car that's a Jeep that is my green commander, which is so cool. And it has a V8 Hemi, which goes, whoa. I'm like, yeah, all right. Um, and it has, oh, my gosh, it has an entertainment center. Here you go, kids. It was awesome until, guess what? Then it started to have problems, still got it, but then I said, you know what I want? And I got, I looked for months, and then I found my Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee um, out high altitude. Not altitude, high altitude, Are you with me? Everything's blacked out, and it's cool, and, and it, it doesn't only just have leather seats. It has the air that goes, whoo, and you go, yes, thank you, Jesus, right? So if it's cold, hey, it's going to warm up. If it's hot, whoo, it's going to be a great day. You know what I mean? So I'm saying we are never, ever satisfied. And in a, in a little while, I'll get tired of that and want something else. Because everything that we have only lasts for a time until we want something else to fill some other kind of void that we have in our life. Because the prize is not what we accomplish occasionally. The prize is what we do daily for God. So I'm going to ask three questions. And I'm going to tell you in advance, these questions are going to become uh, the statements that we're going to drive um, everything else we talk about today. So here we go. What if? Everybody say what if. What say it again. What if? There you go. One more person else did it. Um, I just said that so I could get a drink. All right. Um, what if the work is the reward? What if the work is the reward? What if the prize is the process? And what if you can be wowed in work, in the work that you're doing? What if, what if that could happen, or wowed with the work? 
What, what if whatever you do, you can find fulfillment and meaning and divine satisfaction all because whatever you're doing, regardless if the world thinks it's great or not, or grandiose or not, what if you do it all for the glory of God? So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There are going to be two verses here, 9 and 10. And I believe this is a very, very personal text from the Apostle Paul. He's, I think he's actually being transparent. And when you're transparent, it also brings up the V word, vulnerability. And so here's the Apostle Paul bringing up this uh, section here. And I, I'm amazed at what he says. But it tells you how he feels. He says, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So um, if, you, if you don't know or don't remember the fullness of the Apostle Paul story, in other words, he's saying, before I was a Jesus follower, I was really, really, really bad. I was so bad that I hated Christians and I hated what the followers of Christ were doing so much so that I made it my job to go and round them up and actually bring them to trial and kill them. And sometimes didn't even bring them to trial. In the case of Stephen, I just stood holding coats while they threw stones at him and killed him. That's the Apostle Paul. He's saying, this is how much I hated everything that had to do with Jesus. And then he says, but, everybody say but. Oh, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say but. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I know. It's Popeye. There you go. I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Say that again. But he said, hey, I am, I am the worst thing that walked the face of the earth. I actually, you know, yeah, I'm here now and I'm a, good, I'm a preacher and I go around. But there was a time where I was doing what I wanted. And what I wanted to do was persecute the church, round up Christians, kill them. And that's what I wanted to do. But God gave me grace, undeserved love and favor, came from God, and he took me as I am, but made something different in me. So I'm not changing who I've been. I'm just telling you who I am now. And his grace made an effect on my life, is, the, is basically what the Apostle Paul is saying. Now, this is my story. It's the story of grace. I am what I am. Because his grace was not without effect. Many of you, that's your story. You weren't good. Many of you weren't good. Um, many of you weren't faithful. Many of you weren't righteous. Many of you weren't just kind. Um, but by the grace of God, you are who you are now. Not because you're good, but because he is. Because Jesus is. And you're becoming who he wants you to be. Because God's grace, his undeserved love and favor is not without effect. It will affect your life when you really connect to that. Now the sad thing is that some of us here today and some of us in the sound of my voice on online and wherever else, um, God's grace has been without effect in your life. I'm just going to be honest. You can, you can hear a word, you can read the Bible, you can do all those kind of things, but God, for many people, for some people, and for many other in the world, God's grace has been without effect. And I'll tell you why. Because it has not, you have not opened up and let it touch your heart. You've let it, you may have let it touch your, your, your brain. You may have let it touch your culture. 
but you haven't let it touch your heart individually. You haven't been changed by it because you haven't let it take root and grow in your life. But the good news is you're in the right place here today, and you're in the right place for the work of God. So he says that, he says this first section here in uh, verse 9, and then Paul goes on to say something, and I love what he says here. He says, um, I am what I am, and grace without effect. And then he says, no, look what he says, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. What in the world is he talking about here? What did he just say? He says, I was not any good, but God's grace transformed me because of who Jesus is and because of what he did. I worked harder than anybody, but it wasn't me doing the work. It was God's grace in my life through me doing what God called me to do. So because God was calling me to do it, and because we can use our other verse, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for the glory of God. It wasn't even work at all. So I kept working more and more for the kingdom because of God's grace and the change he made in my life. And that's the story of what Christianity is supposed to be. Everybody here, you came to Christ or you may know Jesus because of the grace of God that worked in your life. But more importantly, I would say most every Christian I know became a Christian because someone shared, worked, or lived out the grace that Jesus placed in their life. And so they worked it out, whether it was teaching a Sunday school, whether it was preaching, whether it was evangelism, whether it was being a coach, or whether it was doing something else. They worked in an area harder than anybody else, not for themselves, but by the grace of God in their life, they passed it on. And that's what we're called to do as well. I like this verse on so many levels because, number one, Paul was not bragging. He's not bragging here. He's not complaining. Paul was just stating the truth as a matter of fact here. He said, by the grace of God, I worked hard. I've been transformed by Jesus because of who he is and what he did. I just go to work. Whatever I did, I did it for the glory of God. I worked harder than all of them. And I can't imagine the depths and the sacrifices that the Apostle Paul made in, um, in his life. And when you think about it, I've always wished that I had a little time machine. Anybody like this? Like, I wish I had, like, a little time machine and I could get in it and it could go, and I could end up back in, like, in first century uh, and, and uh, Israel and walk around and be there and see, see the change in, in um, the disciples and, and particularly Paul. Um, but I th- the thing I think would really, really be cool is to go ahead, go back in my little time machine, uh, put on my, my, my sandals and my robe, and go ahead and sit down by, the fi- by a fire pit, you know, with, uh, with Paul. You know, he's, he's got his little wine skin, drinking some wine, hanging out by the, you know, with a, a little crackle and in, in everything. And we're just sitting there with some downtime. And he's had a couple of wine skins, and so he's a little more chatty right now. And, um, and a little less judgy. You know, Paul can get a little judgy at you, which he can because the measuring stick he has is a pretty good one. And so, um, so he's like kind of chilled out for a while. And I just look over and say, hey, you Yo, Paulo, what's up, man? Uh, just us two guys hanging out here man to man. You know, tell me what you mean by that whole thing. You worked harder than anybody else. Tell me about that whole thing that you wrote there. Just, just kind of unpack it a little bit for me. And, uh, and so I can imagine Paul saying, well, you know, you know, I'm not bragging, you know, because I don't like that. 
um, but you know, the, this Galilean wine's pretty good, so let's talk a little bit more. So he goes ahead and he says, you know, while other people, like you and I are sitting up at the fire now, while other people went to bed, I stayed up a little bit later. I stayed up praying and, and just thinking and strategizing what God wanted me to do. And I got up a little earlier and got to the, to the rock on the corner, which is my office. And, and you know, really, I said, I want to do things right for God. And when most desired comfort which I had so much of before I met Jesus, I realized that following Jesus was not going to be comfortable at all. You know, here's some things that I went through. I was beaten, uh, and they thought I was even dead, and I, ha- and I got up and had to go on. I was shipwrecked, and, you know, I just kind of swam to shore, and we built a fire, and I picked up. And, you know, once I, when, we, when I was shipwrecked, I'm building this fire, and I'm sitting there, and the snake jumps out, and it's a poisonous snake, and it bites me, and and, you know, I hate snakes. I don't know about you. I'm like, yeah, I don't like them either. And, and you know what was funny? It latched onto me, and I just went like that. And I just, because I was, I was working for God. And, I, and, I, and he goes on and tells his story. And he says, you know, while others took a shortcut, um, I always tried to do the right thing. And he said, I memorized so much of God's word um, that I put it in my heart. And I had it renew my mind. And I focused on his word. And, you know, what I'm thinking about as, as he's talking, if Paul really wanted to not be humble, he could have said, you know, you know, I did write most of the New Testament. Just saying. Just saying. You don't have a lot of those things at the end. You have a really short book. I mean, it might be Old, Test- Old Testament part two. I mean, with me, we got a New Testament after that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty important dude. You know, he could have said that, and he said, you know, and I, I did that really well. And, you know, like I challenged uh, Simon Peter, and guess what? I was right. I mean, he could have gone into all this kind of stuff, but instead, I believe he would have said, you know, when I was in prison, uh, I kept on working. I served Jesus when I was in prison. Um, we went to cities that didn't even have one single Christian, and we managed to start churches that that led people to Christ, and we, we led someone to Christ, and then someone else led someone to Christ, and, and it started to mess with the, the whole Roman world. Um, we raised up leaders, and we didn't have any resources. We had no budget, very little budget, but we, you know, we, just, we just did what we did, but we got the job done. And so I worked, Jack, I worked harder than anybody on that. And if you can kind of look at this kind of objectivity and step back, what you find is Paul was not wishing any of his current seasons away. Never did he wish, no matter what he was going through, he never wished it away for the next thing that was coming around the corner. Wherever he was, he was all there. Whatever he did, he was doing all for the glory of God. While he was in prison, he didn't say, you know, one day when I'm finally out of prison, then I'm going to get back to, you know, I I got that that little path, you know, um, if you don't know where I'm going, just check the back of your Bible. Um, And that's, uh, I'm going to go up into this area in that way. But, you know, I got to wait till I'm out of prison because I can't really do anything while I'm here. Chained to these two guys who, uh, you know, 24-7, yeah, it's getting old. You know, they kind of smell a little bit. You know, they're here and, and, uh, you know, I can't do anything. And and so he didn't do that. He said, no, 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 whatever um, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do for the glory of God. And so if there's two guys chained to me, yeehaw, I have a captive audience. And guess what? When the shift change comes, come on, boys, next, next people, and I'm going to go through it again. And, um, and, and you know what? Uh, while I'm in here, you, you took the chains off me because those guys got tired of me a little bit. Uh, can I have some pen and paper? 
and go ahead, and then I'm going to start to write, and I'm going to start to encourage other people in the Lord while I'm sitting here in chains. Even though my eyesight's horrible, and I'm going to write really weird, I'm going to go ahead and give that because people need that encouragement. And I'm going to write those Ephesians a letter because they really need it. And that Corinthians, my gosh, they are a mess. But so let me write it. Let me go ahead and do this. And when shipwrecked, you know what he didn't say? Man, come on, God, you let me down. What, what in the world? You know, I prayed for protection, and I did that. Before you leave on a trip, we, we held hands, and I say, and pray for traveling mercies for all of us, and here we are. I'm shipwrecked, and now I got bitten by a snake, and this is not fun. Where are you, God? He never said that. What he did do, he said, you know what? We didn't die, so we still have life and breath to keep on going. So God must still be with us and begin to share his faith. Whenever he and Barnabas had Barnabas, the nickname, son of encouragement, when they had a disagreement about uh, John Mark particularly, he didn't say, I can't take it anymore. Barnabas, I can't take it anymore. These Christians, you can't trust any of them. They are all just up to something else, bunch of hypocrites here. Uh, you know, what in the world? You know, I'm leaving the church because Barnabas hurt my feelings. Son of encouragement, I think not. Son of something else is what I got. No, Paul did not say that. Not one bit did he say that. He just picked up with somebody else, with Silas, and headed off in another direction. He said, you know what? I don't have time to be bitter. We just have work to do. Whatever I'm going to do and whatever God's calling him to do, we're going to do for the glory of God. I don't know how this applies to you. But right now, you could be in the midst of changing tons of diapers. Do it to the glory of God. It stinks. What you're doing is not just changing messy diapers. You're taking care of a life that God brought into this world. And he has purpose and plan for the lives. If you're making sale calls, do it for the glory of God. If you're doing laundry, do it for the glory of God. If you're running errands for your boss, do it to the glory of God. If you're trying to figure out life, figure it out doing it to the glory of God and whatever you're doing. You just say, in this moment, at this time, even though I may not be incredibly, it may not be incredibly flashy and I don't think it's great, I want to do it with integrity, I want to do it with purity of heart, and I want to do it with the heart of a servant. And I'm declaring that this task now is for the glory of God. Think of the thing that you hate doing the most. What is the, what is the task you hate doing the most? Yell it out. Work, okay, work. What, what, what else? What'd you say? Clean the bathroom. What else? Laundry. Anybody on this side? You like everything? What? Grocery shopping, okay. Anybody else? Writing essays for school. What? Cutting grass. Anybody else? What? Math. Hallelujah. Hang in there. It's something's better around the corner when it's done. Um, so, um, yeah, we all have something we don't like doing. What if we just changed that and said, you know what, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. What if, what, if, what if we do that? Suddenly, when we have this approach, suddenly we wake up and we start to realize something very interesting, which I already said, maybe the work is the reward. Maybe the prize is the process. And every day when we're grinding it out, doing just the normal things, we can be grateful because we can maybe just be wowed and work. So in our remaining time together, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three enemies of true reward. Three enemies of true reward. And unfortunately, some of us know them very well. And the first one is this. Uh, 
go in my little bag of tricks here. The first one is this. What's this? A pillow. A pillow. All right, here's a pillow. Huh? Everybody like pillows? It's a Santa Claus pillow. Um, It's a pillow. What this is, is the seduction of comfort. Seduction of comfort. Um, And this is something that is a huge enemy to what we do. Um, I don't know how this plays out in your life. um, But like, for instance, and I kind of gave a little bit of illustration of this. At some point, it might be that it comes to you and you say, you know, I've been here, but what I really need to bring happiness and comfort. And I'm going to tell you, none of these things are bad. Don't, don't go and say, oh my gosh, you said none of these are bad. They're not none bad, but these are things that are enemies to doing everything for God. Um, so uh, at some point in our life, we may say, you know, I need a different or a better house. We don't have walk-in closets, or we don't have closets at all. So I need a house with walk-in closets. Um, I don't have granite countertops, so I need granite countertops. Um, I don't have a three-car garage, and I need a three-car garage. Or I don't have a garage at all, so I need a garage. Right? You know, I, and again, keep in mind, none of these are bad. Or maybe I need heated tiles in the bathroom so my tootsies don't get too cold. All right? Maybe that's what I need. Or maybe you're one of those people that actually needs a heated toilet seat. I mean, come on, really? Um, uh, so whatever it is, and that's cool if you want it, whatever. But whatever it is you believe, we, we end up saying, I, you know, if I just had this, then I'd be happy. It's the same thing with cars, like I share with you, all that kind of stuff. You know, years ago, um, you know what I needed? I needed windows that went down, like this. Because I had windows that went down like this. Anybody remember these? And if you have them down there, and all of a sudden a rainstorm, right? And you're reaching over, driving down the road. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about, and you're. And and so that's what we needed. Then I needed the sunroof, like I said, and then I needed the butt warmers, and then I needed the GPS built in because I got tired of that little suction cup thing falling off my uh, my front. And then then it's I need the custom floor liners that cost like three grand or whatever they are. Um, and then I need the blind spot warning signs, which are awesome. But remember when the blind spot warning was like that? You remember that? Um, uh, and then remember those of us who now have cars with with like the little lines and the cameras in the back? Remember when you had to go and look back there? I haven't looked back in years. Because I got warning signs here and I got cameras and I'm like, and the other day I was on, on a, a website and I saw, ooh, you can add cameras here and here and here. I don't have to look anywhere but here or here for the rest of my life. All right, so we, we have those. Um, and then we need things with, with memory, memory seat, memory driver's seat. You know what memory driver's seat was when I was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> Turn the little knob. <clears throat> Remember that? Now we get in the car and somebody's hitting the button. You're like, my gosh, put my seat back. <laughs> Correct? It happens all the time. And now we need Apple CarPlay or Android Audio. When some of us remember having a boom box, you know, bungee corded to a seat so it wouldn't go anywhere and popping the eight tracks or cassettes in. Right? But when we have those, we'll be better. And this sucker better have USB chargers. Whatever it is, if I can just have that one thing, 
then I'll finally be happy. If I was just the boss, if I just had enough money, just enough to make life easier, guess what? I hate to burst our bubble, but God never called us to easy. He called us to deny ourselves. Easy never changed the world, ever. The pillow cries out for the seduction of comfort. The next thing, and I'm just going to use this here today, um, this thing. Um, and this is the shiny thing. The allure of constant distractions. The shiny thing. Do you remember when you sat down and you didn't have to pull this out and look at something? Do you remember? Do you remember when you actually got in the car and everybody left you alone and didn't know where you were? Particularly when you're a teenager, it was awesome. Right? Um, so we have the, the constant distractions. You know what's important? Ding! Notifications. I opened this up and there were two things here and I wanted to go, hold on a second, and check it out. You know, um, I wanted to check the notifications. It, if it goes ding or you have that, you're like, I got to look at it. it. It calls to us. Oh my gosh, I, I wonder what so-and-so posted on Instagram. Um, or did you see what they wrote on Facebook? Um, and uh, the next thing you know, you're, you're here. You're, you're in this place of constant distraction. Netflix. Has anybody ever said, you know, I'm going to watch this. Uh, I'm, I'm watching this, uh, these ep- this show and these episodes, and I'm just going to watch one episode before I go to bed. And you watch it, and then it goes, that little thing on the bottom is like, next episode. And you're like, oh, I ain't going to bed. And meanwhile, then it's 4 o'clock in the morning. You're like, i got to go to work. And, but I got to binge watch the whole season one. Oh, season two. Okay, we'll make a break there. I mean, we do that all the time. They put that in there because I have never just watched one episode of anything. <laughs> Except for back when they had 45 commercials in the midst of it. And it said, to be continued next week. It just keeps on running. We, we overprogram our lives, even our, our children, we overprogram them. Monday's Cub Scouts or hockey or play practice. Tuesday is Girl Scouts or choir or softball. And Wednesday is 4-H or gymnastics. And Thursday is piano or oboe lessons or pra- play practice again. And Friday, everybody's worn out, but it's time to get packed up and on the road for travel underwater basket weaving. Um, yes. <laughs> Yes, Johnny, I know he's only three, but he could be the best underwater basket weaver ever in the history of the world. And he's going to go to the university of what in the world and be, have a master's in underwater basket weaving. And Saturday and Sunday is more of the same. More and more of the same. You know what it is? It's the shiny thing. It's the carrot. And we're the donkeys that continue to chase the carrot. We never, ever, ever seem to find real satisfaction because we've been fooled by the shiny thing. Um, and, that's, and that's the second one. So beware of the shiny thing with constant distractions. Last thing. <clears throat> the towel. The towel. It's the perpetual temptation to quit, to throw in the towel. Time and time again. Marriage gets difficult. I'm not in love anymore. It isn't worth it. Throw in the towel. 
trying to get our finances together and try to get out of debt, but oh my gosh, the dishwasher, the car, the dog or whatever just broke. Oh, here's another bill. Dogs will break. Let's just go swipe. Let's go shop for whatever to make me feel good. and Let's just give up on trying and throw in the towel. I mean, Christianity. If I, I, I you know, I, I can't tell you the many times I've heard some version of this. You know, well, I was going through a rough time and I tried God and I went to church for three weeks. I read my Bible for two days. People there didn't like me. Um, I didn't like it. I couldn't get a parking place, so forget it. I'm out of here. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm throwing out the baby Jesus with the baptismal water or something like that, all right? They didn't appreciate me. I'm not making that much of a difference, and this is just too hard. And throwing the towel. You know how many times I've, I've seen people that we base um, so often Christian faith and commitment and, and just connection and growth in Christ to when life is going well. I know somebody who was really, you know, was, was new to the Lord and, and just grew really rapidly and then prayed for their spouse to come to church, and they did, and then they had some kids that, that they had had issues with, and that, they came to live with them, and it was good, and everything was wonderful, and, and everything was great, but guess what? They were thinking there's something positive around the corner, but often there's something rocky around the corner, and it got rocky. It got rocky, and I noticed that they, the attitude of love and care and just, this is the greatest thing. We love church. We love God. Started to be like asking questions, and I saw somebody, in, and I said, hey, how you doing? And they just were just this loving person who, who would, one, one of the people who would, who would just uh, be emotional and just share what was on their heart began to be cold and, and, and arm's length and just very quick cut off. And before I know it, then I got a call one morning and somebody was just completely losing it. And, you know, hey, I serve God. I'm trying to do good. And they said a lot of other little expletives. And like, you know, but why is this happening to me? I said, because in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's not about that troubles go away. It's about to take heart. He's overcome the world. So whatever you do, just keep on doing for the Lord. The towel, you can either throw it in or you can pick up the towel, you can wipe the sweat off and get back to the business of doing what God has called you to do in this moment for the glory of God. Then you realize, ready, here it is again. The work is the reward. The prize is the process. And I can be grateful every single day being wild at work. I have a little pet peeve. I have several of them. If you stick with me enough, I have several of them. I probably provide a lot for you too. Um, but like, there's certain things that I just never liked. I never liked orientations to, like, things. I just, I, I think I told you before, it was my confession. I lied to get out of my seminary uh, orientation. So, God forgave me, you will. And I don't care whether you don't either. Um, but graduation speeches. I've heard some good ones. But they all have this kind of consistent thing. Follow your passion. Follow your heart. Do whatever your heart tells you. There's a problem for those of you who are looking at graduation or looking at schools and stuff. Your passion does not always pay the bills. Um, and your passion, passion does not always keep the lights on. The problem is, with passion is self-passion is about us. Self-passion is about me. 
higher calling is a calling that God calls us to do, and it's selfless purpose, not selfish passion. It's a higher calling, and you're doing God's purpose. I've heard it said, and it's pretty amazing, and passion follows purpose. So what do I do? Instead of uh, me being the starting point, wh- you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to be happy? Have God be the starting point. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Then you start to realize, even in the middle of what you may not have chosen or may, what you may not have wanted, um, let me ask you how, many, uh, you, know, uh, how many people went to college and majored? How many of you are doing the thing that you majored in college for? Okay. Um, I was a journalism major, like newspapers. Remember those things? <laughs> Bye-bye. You know, I mean, I, that, it, it cha- it, life, life changed, and God uh, called something different. Um, and when you realize that God has a purpose in your life, then you recognize that what you're doing, God has called you to do, even in this moment, and it may not be your favorite thing, but when you're serving his purpose, your passions start to always follow that purpose. Purpose doesn't follow passion. Passion follows purpose. And when you, when you start with God and connect to his purpose for your life and what he's called you to do, even in the midst of something you don't like, then passion begins to come out there. I was thinking about uh, the Apostle Paul. He was a regular person who was passionate about something in his life. I don't know what it could have been. He was a tent maker. Maybe he just had this whole kind of thing of like, I want to build tents. And tent making is awesome. I am like Coleman before it ever started. I'm Paul. Um, and I, it could have been music. Maybe he had a guitar, and maybe he's really good, and he puts his clips on YouTube. Get it? Um, uh, take you a while. Um, there you go. It finally got to the back. Um, and he's saying, they're going to discover me on there. Um, maybe it was art. When I get my paintings done, I'm going to sell it for lots of big shekels. Maybe he thought that. Um, maybe if he was living today, it would be cars. And he said, you know, that Tesla, like not the cheap, but the Tesla. That's what I want to really need to be happy. Whatever it is, don't kid yourself that Paul did not have passions of his own. There were things that he was excited about in his own. But I can promise you to the core of my being, without ever sitting down and getting in my, my little futuristic machine and talking to him, I can promise you this. He was not passionate about getting beaten and left for dead. He was not passionate about getting bit by a snake. He was not passionate about being thrown in a jail cell, strapped to these Roman soldiers. He was not passionate about any of that stuff at all. This was never on, man, when I grow up, I really want people to take me, hit me, and throw rocks at me until they think I'm dead. Woohoo! No, he did not do that. I can tell you that. But instead of pursuing his own selfish desires, his own self-centered passion, what he did was pursue God's purpose. I'm sure there's days on this missionary journey where he just did not feel like getting up and going. But he did, and it made an incredible difference. In Acts chapter 20, I think then Paul would say things like this. And he did. I can, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What does Paul say here? 
we can say this too. He said, none of my, you know, what I look at in my life, my life, none of my dreams, none of my wants really mean anything to me anymore. My only dream is to fulfill God's purpose. And what is that? To demonstrate, live out, and share the good news of God's grace, what he's done in my life, and what he can do in yours as well. What does purpose do? Purpose helps us feel passionate about ordinary things. Something mundane or ordinary starts to take on meaning. You ever gone like into Disney or someplace and you see the guy just like waving to you when you walk in? You know what I mean? I'm like, why are you so happy? It's like 400 degrees out here and there's 8 billion people in this place. Why are you like with that big Mickey hand going, hey? But they, they're passionate about it. Many people are passionate about it. Um, and you, you see that time and time again in all kinds of things. Whatever I do, even if it's boring or I feel insignificant, I commit to knowing that what I'm doing from the glory of God. Some of you are experiencing it. You found it when you're serving. You found joy when you're simply making someone else's coffee. When you're in the nursery holding a baby or you're praying over that two-year-old. When you went away to Ocean City with teenagers and you realize in this moment God is using me to pour spiritually into the lives of an emerging generation. When you connect and lead or host a small group and a place for people to find a spiritual connection. What normally seems ordinary becomes extraordinary because it's not just a task, it's on purpose for God. Paul, he gives us really profound images when he says, he continues in saying, I'm not running like someone who's running aimlessly. Don't you love that image? You ever seen somebody run aimlessly like, you ever driven with somebody who's driving aimlessly? Yeah. You're like, get there. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not driving. I'm not running aimlessly through life. I run with a purpose every single step. Imagine that. What if when I wake up, I say, God, today is your day. Whatever I do, whether it seems big, exciting, small, or insignificant, God, I am choosing to find purpose in this. I'm running for your glory. I'm doing it for your glory. I'm not running aimlessly. I'm running with purpose. I'm directed by your spirit. I'm empowered by your word. I'm loving people wherever I go. When I walk into a room, the Spirit of God walks in before me and with me, and I am a a people lover. I lift the moods of people, even if they are so annoyed by me, they're going to smile when I come in the room. And when I come into a dark room, the light of Christ comes in with me. There's nowhere that I don't go that's not on purpose. I go with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that is dwelling within me. I walk in purpose. I am here as an ambassador of the Most High God to represent the goodness and the grace and love of Jesus Christ. This step is on purpose, and the next step is on purpose. My word of encouragement is to, um, to, to you is on purpose. When I lift you up and when I love you, it's on purpose because I don't do anything half-heartedly because whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for the one who changed my life. And if you knew me before, you think that I'm not good enough, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. And because of what he's done for me, you need to know that I work hard. But it's not me doing the work, it's the grace of God that is in me. So whatever you do, do to the grace of God. If you're driving your kids, do it to the glory of God. If you're preparing for grad school or you're fighting to hold your marriage together, do it on purpose with every purpose step for the glory of God. When you're crying with your spouse because you want to conceive and you can't conceive, do that and pray to the glory of God. When you're caring for your aging parents 
when you feel like you're called to do something more and you're stuck in a job that you don't love, when you're healing from a crushing disappointment or you're battling cancer or you're paying down debt, you're doing what you do for the glory of God, recognizing that he has a purpose not ahead and around the corner, but in that moment. Somehow, passion seems to always follow purpose. The prize is not when you get the promotion. It's not when you get the fancy car. It's not when you go to the beach or the mountains. It's not when your five-year dreams come true or when you get discovered or when you finally make big bucks. The prize is now. The prize is here. Because this is the day the Lord has made. And because of God's grace, I will rejoice and be glad in it. When I deny myself, what happens? Week one, we become more bold in spirit. Week two, we have service with a smile, and I'm serving not because of something that I do or want to do, but I'm serving because I am a servant of the Most High God. I'm not trying to be the goat. Remember that? Of this world. I'm trying to be a servant so that one day when I get to heaven and I walk through the doors, Jesus will look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And week three, when I'm jealous, I mean, when I'm selfless, I become incredibly generous. I don't I give without holding back because I truly believe as followers of Christ that it is more blessed to give than receive. And so we lead the way to incredible generosity. And when I recognize that I have been transformed, as I have said here today, that by the grace of God and for his glory, and whatever I do is not for me, but it's all for his glory. And I run with a purpose every single step. And I serve him. Then one day, I'll wake up in the middle of the mundane, the middle of the normal, and I know from my experience of God with his grace and his goodness and overflowing with the joy of his Holy Spirit, because now I've discovered that the work is really the reward. It's a joy to serve and to sacrifice for God's kingdom. The prize is the process, because God is with me and your spirit is guiding me and strengthening me. And I'm grateful and wowed in the midst of the work, finding joy in all things, rejoicing always, because the Spirit is within me. And God is working in all things to bring about good. So because I am selfless, denying myself, I can be wowed at work, and whatever I'm going to do, I will do for the glory of the one who did everything for me. With his grace and his love, he changed me, and I give you thanks. And that's how we become selfless. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, God, I just pray that we can be uh, grateful in the midst of whatever we're going through. Even when we're struggling, God, help us to serve you faithfully, being faithful with the small things so you can trust us with even more. Help us to be bold in sharing your grace and your goodness. God, help us to recognize that the work can be the reward, that the prize can be the process, and that we can be grateful in the middle of the grind every day. Because, God, you are with us, and by your grace, we are what we are. And because your grace, your undeserved love and favor is not without effect. And so as we keep praying today, I think some of you, you're going to recognize, um, just as I am continually recognizing that life is not all about me. And when I look at my life and I look back, I recognize that all my dreams, everything that I wanted, life is not about that for me. I came to recognize that Jesus 
who he was and what he means. He's the sinless son of God. He was the selfless in every single way that while we were still sinning, Christ was obedient even to a death on a cross. He died in my place, in your place, and the sinless one was obedient even to death on a cross, and he died in, in my place. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead and so that he would defeat hell and death and the power of the grave. So that anyone, and this includes you, who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus will be saved at the name above every other name. When you call on his name, he's there. Every sin, every other thing, you, uh, if you feel like you can't forgive yourself, you can be forgiven by God. And his grace will transform you in this moment by his goodness. Up to now, his grace may have been without effect because you haven't opened up your heart to really make that change. He wants to make you new because when you're forgiven, you have a newness on life. Not because you're good, but because he is. And he wants to transform you in your life. So if you'd be willing to just pray this, just, God, my Father, today I trust you to save me and forgive me of all my sins, to fill me with your spirit so I could know you and serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not mine. It's not about my desires and what I need and what I want. I want to give it to you, and I want to, I want to serve with your purpose. I want, to, I want to live in your blessing. So thank you for the new life. God, you've got this one. Do something with it. You have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody today, I'm just going to ask that you just um, go ahead and, and just think to yourself about uh, what the Lord is speaking to you. Is the pillow, is the tower, is the shiny thing in, your, in the way of, as an enemy of selflessness? Let's just stand right now and let's just worship the Lord this last time. And, and again, there's always people that are willing to pray with you. And um, let's just worship
God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas Chase down my heart through all my failure and pride. On a hill you created the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life so I could find it here if you left the grave behind you so will I I can see your heart in everything you've done every part designed in work of art called love if you gladly chose surrender so will I I can see your heart eight billion different ways 
everyone uh the really good really good words to that song um I, that really really hits you so um next week we're going to start like a little uh couple things for two weeks and then we're going to go ahead with our i believe in series um so uh, come back next week bring somebody with you uh, again thank you again for for giving and offering i forgot to announce that in the prayer um and if you were, weren't able to do that you can um, go ahead and connect that so thank you in advance and also thank you for um anyone who wants to connect to sean's house again if you're visiting with us we don't expect you to do that you're our guest here today um but have a great week in the lord and see where god's going to leave you so tomorrow when you get up and that alarm goes uh, be wild in the work and see what happens. Do everything for the grace of God. Have, have a great week. God bless.